the football frenzy. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. It is Cofield and Company down here at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Get on down here, hang out, watch the game. Ravens and Saints coming up. We've got a whole bunch of football to get into here. As we roll on on this Monday on Cofield and Company, still, still shook. Went to break way too early. Threw everything off. We're good though. We're trying to recover. You're a little overzealous. Trying what are you to bounce do? it out. I just I felt like I had such a good, it such was. a good throw. It was and then a good. It was a good set. Didn't work out. So I had to do it twice. So hopefully, that really worked. Really, really kept people engaged by doing it two times. Uh, let's get to what, what we were talking about, which was the quarterback shakeup in the NFL. I'll start there. We'll get into uh, the Raiders in just a second, but uh, quarterback is a weird position right now in the NFL. It's a whole new era, a lot of new guys emerging. We saw Patrick Mahomes last night beat Patrick Mahomes. That was incredible. Aaron Rodgers, we thought it was going to be kind of the, maybe the not the breakout game, but the rest- return to order game for Aaron Rodgers. He, he talked last week, uh, you know, I, I often... Uh, Talk about the Pat McAfee show, which is a show I watch pretty much every day, and Aaron Rodgers does Tuesdays. And last week, he just kind of said, look, we we thought we were going to get some guys, and looks like we're not, so this is who we have. We're going forward with this this crew. Nothing at the trade deadline, didn't add anybody. They tried to get Chase Claypool. They didn't. They tried to get Darren Waller from the Raiders. We can address that, too. But they did. Didn't work out. And so this is the team we have, and we just know we've got to get out there in the field and play. And they had a perfect opportunity against a Detroit team that can't defend anyone. So Rodgers is going to be able to have a massive game. Did he? Ha! No. One of my favorite sites, Adam, since we're talking about quarterback shakeups. And I know you're a pro football-focused guy, but I also know that you appreciate my favorite site is the sports references Pro football reference, pro basketball reference. They have their own rating system. The top three quarterback ratings. Tua, Jalen, Geno. It's wild. I'd love, by, by love the to way, see it. I'll say this right now. Mahomes is great again. I'm okay with that. Jalen Hurts has been fantastic all year. How is Tua not the MVP? Why is he not being discussed? He is the MVP. Yes. You saw what happened when he wasn't there. They are 6-0 and in games he starts and finishes. They're 0-3 when he doesn't. He is the MVP right now. And maybe Jalen Hurts. I, I can have, understand. I have, I have, I'm just looking here. It says seven games started, 6-1 and one is his record. I said when he finished. Oh, when he finished. Okay, my bad. Yeah. My apologies. When he starts and finishes. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 6-0. and oh. mm-hmm. And when he, he left the game against Cincinnati and they lost. It's, which which of the three are you like most happy for though, like you personally, football fan Adam? Well, I think Jalen Hurts is a very cool story. Okay, so I Jalen Hurts is a cool story. So is um, Gino. I I just it's it's more so the fact that there's so many people that were doubting Gino, and last year when he came when Seattle came here. And he was in for Russell at that time. Russell um, Wilson. I was about to say Westbrook. Um, I was like, he can still start in the NFL. It's just a matter of consistency. It's a matter of repetition. It's a matter of getting right back on the horse. And you know, and uh, there are so many people. Seattle's done. They're not going out and they're getting not getting anybody. 
Is he? They're really going to depend on Geno Smith? And I was like, yeah, why not? Now, I did not think that Seattle would be leading the NFC West. I didn't. Well, they're not going to win did, the NFC West. Did, I still don't think they're good. Uh, I, and no, and no, no. I thought they'd be counting on him to lose games. But they're leading is what sure, I said. Of course. I didn't think they'd be leading. Yeah. But I'm kind of happy for him. Out of the top three that I just said, like Jalen Hurts is a cool story. Two is a great story, especially when you know, like the Tyreek Hill quote, right during uh, training camp, most accurate guy. He repeated the other yesterday during that was great during the post game. But I'm happy for Geno Smith. And then you put somebody down. Who did you say going out? Didn't you bring up Justin Fields? Yes. Yes. I personally been watching Justin Fields since high school days when I was still covering preps because he came out of the class with Trevor and Dorian when they went to that elite eleven up in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, and he won that whole thing. And everyone was talking about Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields won it, so kind of happy to see him put up some numbers. Yeah, it, it's been uh, very interesting, and certainly in the fantasy world, uh, Justin Fields is. Uh, looking at being a potential down the stretch MVP, the last you know three four weeks he's been carrying fantasy teams uh, from a guy that people didn't even want to have on their roster four weeks ago. Is he on any one of your twenty seven teams? Oh yeah, okay, oh, yeah. for sure. I'm a big Fields guy. Okay. Uh, in terms of look, I I think he's still a, w- a little bit away from being a you know championship caliber type player, but in terms of putting up production and numbers when you allow him to run, which the Bears weren't allowing him to do. When you allow him to run, it opens up a lot of things in the passing game as well. You saw Cole Komet kind of unlocked by him moving out of the pocket and Komet kind of working with him down the field. Mooney has been very good again the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're opening up a lot of things in that offense. Now, they lost. Tough, it was a tough game. They lost. They also got rid of some of their defensive key defensive personnel at the deadline. They're obviously building for the future. They're not trying to win. It's time to start building around that kid and build him a team that he can lead doesn't have to hoist on his shoulders because he's capable of just sort of being the guy without being the man. If that makes sense. Sure. And you're just seeing you're seeing cycles because, you know, uh, we talked about these older guys that have kind of started to struggle and not play well. And now it's, oh, it's a new generation. It's the, you know, it's these new guys and it's Mahomes and it's Allen and who's better. And now Mahomes, who started off a little slow, is looking great. Josh Allen was bad last week. He was awful yesterday. And then he got hurt near the end of the game. So there are, there are all these cycles that are going on, and it's it's very fascinating to watch. There doesn't seem to be one guy that every single week, except for so far Jalen Hurts, who is really, really good every single week. And then Tua has reached that level, but he missed three games. So that's a little bit tougher to, to say that he's been consistent all year. But uh, to me, he's the MVP right now, and a lot can change. The top six guys on Pro Football Reference as far as passer rating, all with 100 or better Tua, Hertz, Gino, Mahomes, Burrow, and Garoppolo. Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Won't go away. Uh, so, and, and, and eight and nine is Andy Dalton and Lamar Jackson who played tonight. Well, Lamar's awesome. Well, Lamar's. You know, I still I don't care about right. You throw everything out. If if I'm starting a team, I mean, to me, he is the best overall athlete in the league. That's what. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's fair to say. Justin Fields is showing; he's showing yeah. up too. But yeah. yeah, Lamar has always been uh, my favorite guy to watch for sure uh, at that position. Uh, we did talk about the Raiders though, and what is going on with them in terms of Devontae Adams expressing some frustration. Uh, Josh McDaniels today said, "I get what Devontae's saying. He, like, if you're throwing so successfully, and Devontae gets nine catches for 146 yards in the first half, how about keeping that going?" 
Well, they did. They still threw it to him nine times. They just couldn't complete anything. And McDaniel said, look, the pass rush is starting to get there. We needed to run the ball just to keep them off balance a little bit. That was part of it. Uh, we just need to execute plays better, and they need to block better. They need to run better. Although Josh Jacobs, 66 yards off his 67 were after contact. He played phenomenally yesterday. He just had zero help in the running game. Uh, but Devontae made his comments. Josh McDaniels was asked about them today. He kind of responded. Uh, look, he's not going to he, – he's certainly going to support Devontae Adams. It's his best player. You need to keep him on your side. Uh, but – you know, obviously when players start to speak out, there is a little bit of issue, and uh, let's hear what was said. I know what he meant when he said that. You know, I don't take any of those things personally. We have opportunities. we got to come through with them, and I have to do a good job of trying to make sure that we continue to try to present opportunities for our team. It's really a two-way street in that regard. you got to keep probing as a coaching staff and as a play caller to find opportunities for your best players to get involved and produce in the game. And, you know, and then when we have those opportunities, we're going to need to come through. I mean, I think it makes sense. And he's not, you know, he's definitely not throwing Devontae under the bus or anything like that. I know no. that um, as a coach, you don't want players talking out like that in the locker room and speaking out. Not necessarily that he was attacking. I think a lot of people kind of characterize it as he was attacking McDaniels. He was just saying, look, this is what I want. I want the ball every single time. <laughs> like, why Why do we stop doing that? Right. And then he later uh, commented to you guys, uh, McDaniels it is, on the balance on and which I have a question for you after we hear this because he, he somebody asked me you know you diverted for you did divert from it you started running but here's how here's let's hear what he had to say about not continuing to just go up top and switching things up to the running you know you're going to need to be able to have find some balance in the game at some point you know so that we're not just sitting there you know with a lead you know dropping back the pass on every play and and giving them opportunities to make plays in the pass rush or blitz us or those kind of things so the thought process you know hopefully was the right mindset obviously the execution at the end of the day is what's important and and we didn't put enough points on the board to win the game so prior to that adam right just before that he said you have to ask yourself as a coaching staff can we sustain this Right? He said that. He said, can we sustain that doing what we're doing? Here's the thing, and here's, here is where I thought of what Devontae was saying, where he said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay, yes, you're right, Josh McDaniels, okay, as far as the balance is concerned, but what Devontae's saying, okay, until it does break down, it's working. So you're asking yourself, how long will it, can we sustain this? Well, you won't know unless you keep doing it. I also think a lot of times, and this is, I know that, I know that for players, <laughs> I know that for players sometimes it's really tough in the aftermath of a game where you kind of misremember what happened, you misidentify, you're so caught up in the game. And even for us, as we're working, as we're sitting there in the press box, that's why I watch the games back so many times. Yeah. Because you can watch something and you're, there's a narrative in your mind and you're watching someone saying, what is going on here? What is going on here? What is going on here? And then you realize, oh, I didn't see that correctly. And I think part of what he was saying is, hey, we stopped, we stopped throwing the ball uh, to me, which was working. Now, if you go back and look, and I was actually just trying to do the math on this a little bit, uh, from the time that the Raiders took a 20-7 to lead with 45 seconds left in the second quarter. Okay. To the time they were down 24-20, a minute into the fourth quarter. Okay. They went from a 20-7 lead 
to a 24-20 deficit and ran five offensive plays. So they really. So did. how many times did he want him to throw the ball? And I'm not criticizing Devontae. I'm just saying in the moment you're like, we just stopped throwing it. Did you? Or did you just not have the ball because you, didn't, you weren't able to maintain the drive? Uh, they got the ball. It was one possession because the Raiders kicked a field goal. The Jaguars then drove down, kicked the field goal in the final play. The Jaguars got the ball first in the second half, went down and scored a touchdown. Then the Raiders got the ball, five plays, done, and the Jaguars scored another touchdown. So 17 points for the Jaguars, five offensive plays for the Raiders. They ran the ball twice, got a first down. Jacobs for eight, Jacobs for 15. So that's working. That's working really well. Then uh, Jacobs got tired. Zamir White came in. They had a one-yard loss. Then Derek Carr threw Devontae Adams. No game. And then Derek Carr threw to Matt Collins down the middle on third and 11. Incomplete. Did they abandon the passing game? Herein lies, though, now herein lies where the, on the other side, where you're going to get the, the, uh, the haters of the Raiders, the H-A-I-D-E-R-S, asking, okay, so that's where it comes on the defense. Sure, but, I mean, the, the defense, they give up that field goal drive. That was, that was rough. They give up the two touchdown drive. Sure, you can, you can point to that. Absolutely. But the offense did have a chance. Yep. They had the ball. Twice. They couldn't maintain a drive. And by the way, now the defense has been on the field for how many plays? The offense doesn't get first downs. They don't pick up anything. And yep. now the defense is right back on the field. And we were seeing that, what was it, two seasons ago? Or where they, where they weren't giving them enough time and they were coming out exhausted? Yeah. Perhaps that's an issue that needs to be addressed also in the second half of these games when you're up 17 that, well, they need to sustain and – hold those leads well yeah but your offense needs to keep the gas pedal pushed to the floor and stay on the field so your defense all of a sudden isn't having to control the entire and, second half and to your point of okay it's a defense all right so it's 24 20 not my point i was saying no, no. okay but i'm saying if, if you say okay it's the defense now you're down 24 20 okay well then you get the ball again down 24 20 you barely get to midfield and then the defense gets to stop get you the ball back Three and out. And then the, then the defense gets – well, they, they didn't get a stop. They got a, a missed field goal. Right. No points. And then you get the ball, and you go three and out. And then the defense gets a stop, and you go three and out. The, and then the defense holds them to a field goal, and you go four and out. The last three possessions for Jacksonville were punt, missed field goal, field goal. So, in a sense, three points in the last three possessions. The last – and you had the ball four times Five and didn't possessions score. of the Raiders, punt, 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 turnover on downs, fumble. Right. And, it, and by the way, it wasn't a fumble. It was the, the desperation. Yeah, 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 fumble, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I'm so, reading off the uh, – So, yes, you can say the middle of the game, the defense lets you down and give up 17 points on three drives, and that was a really tough stretch. But then they did not allow another point, and you had the ball four times and got zero points. Zero points. The side of the ball that everybody said you invested in that's so good that just needs a little bit of help from the defense. You had four drives and zero points, and the defense didn't allow a point over that stretch. So it, it is, it's everything working together. And you get, again, you get what Devontae Adams was saying, but they didn't go away from the passing game. They just didn't have the ball. To, to and, stick and, with then, and then the passing game failed them in the fourth quarter. So that's, that's really what was happening here. And the running game that you think, oh, they just went to the run – did they? Because they ran twice for over over 25 yards 
and then you went three and out from there on two passes. So it is everyone. Everyone has blame. You can look at everything. I put more on the offense because that's the side that's supposed to be carrying them, that's supposed to be making all the money, that is supposed to be the better side of the ball. But there is plenty of blame to go around for everybody uh, with this Raiders team. We'll keep continuing to talk about the Raiders and what is going on with them. And Why are they doing this? This guy that snuck in behind you. Some, and some guy came in to join us. Save the day for us. We'll talk to him. John Von Tobel coming up in a little bit. We'll continue at Twin Peaks on this Monday. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Back to throw Brumfield. Got time. Now he looks, steps up, throws. Got a wide open Nick Williams at the 30. He's at the 20. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. Touchdown, UNLV. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez down here. Twin Peaks, you should be too. Monday Night Football coming up. Ravens and Saints, a pretty intriguing football game. But it doesn't even matter when you're down here. It's just a good time anyway. As I said, Willie Ramirez here for the show. John Von Tobel, a celebrity in the house. So we're very excited that you just dropped by. How you doing, sir? Good. Got a good game. Got a good. I can't even talk. Got, I'm got so a good game. Yeah. Uh, got a big day today. 15 NBA games. We got college basketball getting started. You're still doing that NBA thing? Monday night. Yeah, unfortunately. Guy, can I tell you, by the way, when you're like on a, I think it was Saturday night or Sunday, whatever it was, when you're sweating out, there's three seconds left on the clock, <laughs> and you need OG and Anobi to get inside of four points because he committed a foul, and I just need you to hit a three at the buzzer for no point whatsoever, and he does. Man, what a rush. Is that your favorite player now? Did you uh, feel no. like. Did you feel like Keanu Reeves outside the bar in Hardball? I've never seen the movie. What you'd have to what, explain that? What to movie me. is that? Yeah, you never seen Hardball? Is that when he's a coach of the youth league team? Is that when he, he goes he, into he, the computer <laughs> system and is the no, one? No, it's the bus one. I think uh, he's a degenerate gambler and he owes a bunch of money and he goes to this guy who owns a law firm. I think it was a law firm and he he says, "Oh, I got something. I'll pay you five hundred dollars a week to coach these kids." And it's in the inner city right. Chicago. I have seen this. Okay, yeah, and G Baby dies. Yes, I do. I, yeah. do, I do know what you're but talking he's about. Way, but he's he's in deep to the bookies. He goes to one to pay off the other, and he's outside and he's looking, watching in the window, and it's like the Bulls have never covered against Miami or something, whatever the trend is. And at the last second, he changes his bet and he takes the Bulls, and they hit a three at the buzzer to cover inside the number, and is, he can pay off the other book. Is it a more realistic betting movie than Uncut Gems, which infuriated me from the no. awful? Sports betting perspective. I bet the Lakers to win the tip off this for the, this morning. Yeah, the opening <laughs> tip. Money. Yes, as part of a parlay, which was just preposterous in every way. And the fact that Connecticut had sports betting and they didn't yet. Right. Come on. A lot of lot of problems with the movie. Uh, hardball on Rotten Tomatoes, Willie. Forty one percent. Is that good? No. Forty one percent. That'd be out of a hundred. On a scale of hundred. I don't really care what Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, is. I do. But, but you've seen the movie, so it doesn't good. matter. Yeah, but I I like to be backed up if it was good or not by by some of these uh, some of these sites. I actually think it's pretty good. Uh, you you be, I bet you can't guess the last Keanu Reeves movie I've seen. Um, I'm gonna say Bill and Ted something or another. <laughs> yeah, the new Bill and Ted. Uh, SpongeBob, Sponge Out of Water. What is he? What is he in that? He's like some ethereal, like some like deity or something like that. That's like floats and glows and whatnot. Yeah, he plays himself. Oof, that sounds bad. What's up with the royalty dropping in here today? Was it- Oh, it's true. Got 
we've got a I mean look Willie is famous and big time Jordan Ramirez even more big time than you for sure major he's here he's yeah, here he popped in you never know who's gonna answer something it's tells good. me he's not down here for the four of yeah, us exactly it might may be, other, be for the servers yes might be scouting it's <laughs> 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 fine uh UNLV football I'll just switch over right now. Uh, not a great performance on Saturday. I thought they did well enough late uh, in the second half to give themselves some chances. Uh, but certainly Brumfield was a bit rusty. There were some questionable decisions that he made, uh, especially in the first half. There was one in the third quarter as well. Uh, just They just couldn't find that opportunity to take you know, to take the lead, to take over the game. They came back from 14 nothing down, 14-10 loss, and a big missed opportunity when the Aztecs dropped a punt. And when I say that, I mean the punter caught the snap and then just dropped it. Right. Uh, I was and, really surprised he gave up so quickly. It was really yeah. weird. And there was, like, no heat on him. He just kind of fell in the ball. Right. Just pick it up and kick it. Try something there. Uh, and you know he couldn't take advantage of that. But I thought, look, they weren't blown out. It was an encouraging game. But I do believe that Marcus Arroyo Willie thinks that they're past that, and they should be past that. They yes. shouldn't be encouraged by close losses anymore. No, and because they in they endured that last year, and that was the big thing with this team was that they were right there in the doorstep. They fought tooth and nail to the end. They lost how many? I think it was six one score games, and that this year they were over the hump and they opened the season four and one. They get blown out in back-to-back losses with Brumfield going out in San Jose, and um, and then they go to South Bend. They lose probably not the way, you know, I mean, double digits, but still they scrapped. After a bye week, I think that Marcus definitely thought that they could go in there and beat San Diego State, and it sounds like, I mean, you were there. Um, it sounds like they played well enough in the second half. If they could have put together 60 minutes and, and not fallen behind – that you know they 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 could have won that game. It's a, it was it's another one of those winnable games that they just you know let slip through their fingers. And you look back on it and you say if we did this, if we did this, if we did that. Now they got three games left, two games to become bowl eligible. This one's going to be tough. Fresno State's not going to be easy because they've improved as the as the uh, season has. Uh, you know, gone on. Yeah, well, they got, got healthy, Jake, right? They got Jake yeah. Hayner back. Yeah, got Jake Hayner back. But, but they were. But they also that was. There wasn't a lot. I don't. I mean, how promising did we really think? I, Fresno State were, were they favored at the beginning? They were the second choice betting wise. I got a ticket on them at three to one. I bet them before the season started. Okay. I'm actually surprised that that my ticket is still alive. They're in leading that division. But they were they were highly they rated were up there. Okay. okay, coming into this year, the Hayner injury screwed them. And yeah. I would agree with you. I mean, look, four turnovers is going to kill you. But you also have to be better in the red zone, right? You turn the ball over in the red zone. You've got a gifted opportunity on that punt that we're talking about that they don't take advantage of, of uh, UNLV. And you squander a good defensive effort because over the last, what, three games? Your rush defense has been bad, yeah. like really bad. Well, that's something that everybody has somewhat said. You know, they, it's it's sort of been an underlying theme there throughout the season. Even in the wins, was like that rushing defense is going to catch up to them. I mean, we were saying that during wins over at Allegiant. At times on press row, so it just it, it you know those are the things you have to 
get better at. So when you're in situations like you're in Saturday, that you know you can you can make those stops. So it, they're they're up against it now. Can I also say I, I thought it was I, I tweeted it out like I thought it was an oddly managed first half by by Marcus Royal because I, I thought for one I'm never really a big fan of giving away possessions and when you just run quarterback sneaks on three straight plays, I get you were up against it. You're giving away a possession there in what was going to be figuring to be a tight, low, contested game, and it really was, like, giving away a possession like that, especially in a game where you turned it over four times, right? You're essentially giving a possession there of your own accord. And then I thought it was really odd calling timeouts near the end of the first half to get the ball back just to run out the clock, yeah. right? Like, I, I didn't really understand that either because if you're going to do that, then maybe get a little bit aggressive, like try to steal a possession after you gave one away. Those were some of the little things, too, that I don't think helped them in that game. And that's something that has got to be disappointing for this team mentally because at the start of the season they were in the lead, you know they were among the nation's leaders in turnover in in takeaways so you know especially I was it I believe interceptions at one point they were second in the in the country but overall now turnover margin tied for 61st in the nation at plus 0.11. Um, Third down, your point about red zone also, but John, um, third down conversion, this team, now 116th in the country, only 32.1% on third down. Yeah, so I know, John, I've heard you on the broadcast uh, before doing some reporting, uh, doing some wonderful interviews uh, with Marcus Arroyo and others. (laughs) Three games left in the season. Friday's tough. Friday at home, Allegiant Stadium against Fresno. Uh, you'll have Devontae Adams and Derek Carr on the sideline uh, for Fresno State rooting on their alma mater against UNLV. It's going to be a tough one, but they do have three opportunities, two chances after that. Do they win two of the final three? I would think they do. I mean, the final two games, so what are we talking about? Hawaii and Nevada, right? I remember their schedule correctly. That's got to be something that even if you don't get the Fresno game, you should be able to win those last two games and become bowl eligible. Those are, those are games that I don't think you should drop. Given where you were at the beginning of the year, given the fact that you're a little bit healthier now, barring anything happening in that Fresno State game, I, I would say it's almost to the point where, do I dare say it's unexcusable if you lose to Hawaii and Nevada? Yeah. Right? I, I, think, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and we'll see, what, we'll see what they're able to do Friday. Friday's tough, uh, but even if, you, you know, even if you lose that game, you still got two very, very good chances to win after that. We will continue here at Twin Peaks in Henderson on Eastern, just south of the 215. Come on down. Join us. The mayor of Twin Peaks, Willie, is here, along with Jordan Ramirez, I guess the assistant deputy mayor of Twin Peaks. The governor. Myself, Adam Hill, with John Von Tobel as well. We'll keep things rolling on a Monday from Twin Peaks. Get over to Twin Peaks in Henderson for Monday Night Football. Awesome food and drink specials. Plus, Cofield and Company's Willie Ramirez will have plenty of great prizes you can win. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Balioskas tries to drive and lay it in, and Elijah Parquet says, not butter, Parquet, as he knocked that one out of bounds. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Crushed it. Great stuff there. You'll hear more of that tonight. As UNLV opens the college basketball season, every team in the country, it seems, in action today. All top 25 teams are playing uh, on this day. I think there's like 150 games on the board uh, to bet on. 
college basketball all around the country as things get kicked off. Yes, college basketball. I know we're in the middle of NFL and college football, but college basketball is upon us. My personal favorite sport. I'm excited to check out some games tonight. I'll be over at UNLV checking out that matchup. Do you have your blue ribbon book yet? Uh, I do. I do. How many? many, I I have said this. So not many. And I've said this. I am. uh, I've talked very often in the past about the college basketball league that I do. Uh, The most intense. It's not really a fantasy competition. The most intense pool that I'm in with anyone. uh, It is arduous, tedious. Every single game all season long essentially matters to you uh, that any team in the country plays, and we are not doing it this year. And so my research is so far behind in college basketball. Usually I have a report on every single team in the country. Every single team. I could ask you, I've asked you in the past just real quick, like, hey, or, or, hey, who do you like? Or, hey, does this team this or that? And, I mean, we're talking like you could ask about Monmouth. Yeah, you can ask him about Ryder. It's it sucks. I feel I feel very unprepared and very behind. Hopefully, we get that going again next year, so Queen I can pack. have. <laughs> uh, their big story, big story today, actually, out of the University of Hartford that I think is going to get even bigger. Uh, if we do want to talk about obscure college basketball stories, uh, the coach of Hartford today resigned. Is that a big deal? Opener tomorrow. Well, Hartford was a miracle story of going to the postseason. Uh, NCAA tournament for the first time two years ago. And the day before the season, the coach calls it quits. Hmm. Now, is it a big story? Not necessarily because who cares about Hartford basketball? Hartford basketball but players. They do. And fans. And, and if they have fans. And, and parents. And uh, other people. But Recruit. a much, much bigger story potentially that could be around this. Who's going to be the coach? Is that he, Well, he did send out a letter okay. explaining why he was quitting. And he said... A lot of the cuts that the department has done have taken a big effect on the team and the program and made it difficult for him to prepare a team for the season. And he said last week they had a scrimmage, and because of cuts, the program, or excuse me, the university decided not to send an athletic trainer with the team to a trip. Team apparently wasn't stretched properly before the games. There was no athletic trainer there to oversee it. There was an injury that he believes could have been prevented. And he also believes could have been mediate or mitigated, excuse me, in terms of less damage being done to the player. Had there been an athletic trainer there to kind of take a look at it and oversee the process of stabilizing the injury and all of that, and so he said, because you are cu- cutting back and affecting potentially the health of my players, I will not coach this team. So that could end up being. A big story in college athletics in terms of smaller schools and cutbacks and that sort of thing and how that is managed. I am now looking up Sacred Heart minus one at Hartford tomorrow. There's no way it's still on the board. Look at it. There's a couple of places you can get it. Wow. Uh, That seems strange. I don't even know. I don't see any local uh, establishments on the line service I'm looking at. But, (laughs) yeah. you know, I would say with an allegation like that, I don't know that the game's being played. Oh wow! I mean, they, they haven't announced anything like that, but you can't accuse a program, or you can't accuse a university of ignoring the health of student athletes, and then not, and then just send them out on the court to play the next day. That would be wild, but certainly a story to monitor in the world of college basketball. Uh, we will not talk about college basketball next. We'll talk about hockey and the sports world in general with 
just one of our all-time favorites here on the show. I can't wait for this. We're very excited, as always, to have her joining us. Linda Cohn, up next. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Here the dot. Eichel to the left. Marcheseau scores! One-time shot, Jonathan Marcheseau. Power play goal for Vegas. Six three nights with 6.44 to go in the third period. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. It is Cofield and Company down here getting ready for Monday Night Football. Ravens and Saints, a good one. We are excited about, of course, UNLV coming up right here on LV Sports Network coming up later this evening. Check out the Rebel game. And uh, what a start to the season we are expecting to see this team in action and how they can move forward under Kevin Kruger. We are excited for that. We're also excited for how well the Golden Knights are doing. And we wanted to talk some hockey and other things. Uh, one of our favorites, and she needs no introduction, really, but Linda Cohn, you know her from our show, of course, one of our favorite guests. I'm going to say our favorite guest. Uh, in the crease on ESPN+, Plus, Sports Center, NHL Radio, just all over the place. Linda, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me in the great intro. I'm doing great, and yes, so are the Vegas Golden Knights. They are, and we're going to talk about that, but there was a big story today involving somebody you know. Jeff Saturday yes. is going to be the you. interim coach of the Colts. He is, his first game will be right here in Las Vegas against the Raiders coming up on Sunday. Just what were your thoughts when you heard this was going to happen? Wow, this is amazing to me. I had to do a double take. Not that Jeff Saturday doesn't deserve an opportunity, no one has been, uh, obviously, you know, he play, He was a Colt. He was one of the all-time great Colts in my mind. And uh, the biggest, you know, it wasn't a shocker that Frank Reich was fired, and we don't wish anybody fired. But the decisions that were being made with this franchise, with this team, I know this. I know Jeff Saturday has had the ear of Jim Ursay, uh, who's a decision-maker with the Colts. And Jeff uh, is, is known to say all the right things, and he's very knowledgeable. And let me tell you, as I just tweeted out, if anyone can fix that offensive line, it's Jeff Saturday because uh, he played that position so well. And he played with uh, several of the um, all-time great quarterbacks, as we know, Peyton Manning, and also for a year with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So, yeah, a bit of a surprise. But, listen, when you get an opportunity to perform, I wish him the best. Sure. And, look, to fix the offensive line, the best bet would be maybe to put on a few pounds for him and get back out there. Uh, put the uniform on again because <laughs> yeah. they need a lot of help. But, look, I'm not trying to diminish what we do here in the media. And, of course, not nothing against yourself either. But we have it pretty nice. We can just sit here and critique everybody. Like, he's got to answer the questions on Sunday. Why would you do this? Just sit in the studio. Yeah, yeah I know. But I think, I mean, come on. There's, there's a part of you that wants to reach for the stars. And when you get a chance to grab on, someone's giving you a lift. Uh, and this is what happened with Jeff Saturday. And then he can never look back and say, what if, right? That's always been one of my things. I never wanted to look back and say, why didn't I do that? Or give this a shot or, or kind of, you know, put myself where I've never been before and let's see if I can pull it off. And I think that, I mean, I can't speak for Jeff Saturday, but he's just one of those great humans, too. I love working with him, uh, but he's very knowledgeable, obviously, about the game. You know, let's see where this goes. You know, I, I guess. You know, Jim they just wanted to make a change quickly, and he wanted to put in a guy that he knows and trusts. For sure, and uh, we'll find that out. And 
Uh, he'll get to have some fun this week because last week during the Raiders games, he tweeted out, Raiders look horrible, and now he's going <laughs> to play them and prepare for them. So that should be fun as well as we get ready for that. But uh, look, the Golden Knights season is in full effect. I expected them to be better. I thought last year was a lot on the injuries, and I know a lot of people said, hey, there's a lot more issues here, and there were, but it was a lot of injuries. And now they're healthy, they look good, Bruce Cassidy's system is working. This is an unbelievable start, a dream start for the Golden Knights. Was there any way to see this coming? Uh, i got to be honest with you, I was not as positive as you were with a glass half full. I really didn't know what to expect. I was afraid they would take a step back, not because of Bruce Cassidy and his system, uh, but... Uh, he's got them all to buy in from the get-go. Jack Eichel, as we all know, 100% healthy. And we see what that means when Jack Eichel is healthy and, and you know, what he's done for the rest of this club. And and the guys that are contributing, you know, Jonathan March or so looks like the guy we knew when they went to the cup final. Riley Smith, they are producing. And on both ends, the defensemen, I mean, you know the name. Uh, Shade Theodore, for goodness sake. One of the leaders of this team, Alex Petrangelo, has really come into his own as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, and they have uh, chipped in with their offensive production. So this team is doing it on both ends, and I cannot forget to mention Logan Thompson. Uh, a lot of people weren't sure about what the goaltending situation was going to look like uh, with no Robin Leonard there, and uh, boy, Logan Thompson has stepped in and been a game-changer making quality saves at the right time, which has really added to the confidence boost of his teammates to know that, hey, if we want to take a chance and pinch in, our guys got our back in net. And not, and we're speaking with Linda Cohn from ESPN, but not just him. When you On the whole, the Golden Knights are number one in the NHL with a 2.08 goals against average. That, for the longest time, was under two, and that's a credit to also Aiden Hill. The first week, uh, during the home stre- during a couple of home games, Cassidy even said, Aiden Hill does not play or step in like a backup. He, sent- he feels like he's it's 1-1A. One one no yeah. one would have even thought that when you come off of a tandem and the goalie controversy that we have with Fleury and Leonard in this town, and all of a sudden... You got cohesiveness with two guys that nobody gave a shot of succeeding. Yeah, it's really exciting. And they like each other, right? I mean, yeah. Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson, they root for each other, which is always refreshing. And um, and it's like they're in it together because they both have that same kind of story, as you greatly pointed out, that when they have a chip on their shoulder. But, you know, Bruce Cassidy believes in them. And, and if you're looking for a weakness, not that I'm being negative Nelly over here, um, that weakness, which was having like a, you know, um, their special teams, right? It was never super weak, but it can always be better. And it was good to hear Bruce Cassidy say, I think he said it today, the fact that he likes the way special teams is trending. Uh, they worked on blocking shots uh, in today's practice, I believe. And uh, that, that will be beneficial for their PK, uh, you know, killing penalties and just doing more of that. So he's really got them engaged. He's really got them working on other things. But they're finding ways. You know, this team is never out of a game, as you guys know. And that offensive firepower, I know the league is on an uptick with that. Many teams, including the L.A. Kings, where I'm at, you know, L.A. is scoring goals like never before. Um, But still, 
for the Vegas Golden Knights, you ne- they're never out of a game because so many guys can put the puck in the net. You talked about the story of Logan Thompson and how exciting this has been watching him early in the season. We, but we have seen, and I'm not, look, I love Logan. I'm, I'm not suggesting this about him, but we have seen goalies get off to really good starts, be really impressive, uh, have a nice run, and then not be able to sustain it. Like, do you think his run is sustainable the way we're seeing him play right now? Yeah, well, I think it can, it's definitely sustainable. Do you know why? Because the team that's around him, the yeah, team that's yeah. in front of him, the yeah. team that supports him, that's how. And it's just such a rippling effect. It goes from one end to the other. Games with Logan Thompson or Aiden Hill, for that matter, stepping up when, when the team needs the most. Well, guess what? Or the other way around. When, you know, they let up a fourth spot, well, guess what? Guys like, you know, Eichel, Smith, Theodore, uh, Chandler Stevenson, one of my favorites, you know, have their back and they win games 5-4, to 6-4 four, four at an empty net goal. That's what I'm telling you. And that goes a long way. Wow. And you're a goaltender? And I played the position, obviously, not at this high level. But when you know your team still believes in you after you let in maybe one or two you might want back, that really helps your confidence, especially when you got stars around you that are never out of a game. Before we let you go, i got to ask you this. You mentioned Jack Eichel a couple of times, and, you know, we heard it when he first got here. Other members of the media that we know back east or people we know, Adam and I both know people in Buffalo, you know, oh, boy. You're going to have a handful there. But you know what? When things were going good and he was playing injured, people loved him. and The media loved him in Buffalo. And when he wanted his surgery, all of a sudden he was selfish. We've heard nothing but good things about how this guy is a great locker room guy. I think it was a benefit for both the Sabres and Jack Eichel that he find a new environment. Yeah, it was one of those really great deals, right? You know, for instance, because there was some uh, other pieces, as we know, going toward Buffalo's way, and Buffalo is... So far, it's early, but overachieving, you might say, ahead of schedule a little bit. But um, I've always been a fan of Jack Eichel. I had the wonderful opportunity to cover the NHL draft when both Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel were drafted, one and two. And I spoke to them multiple times, each of them. And, uh, you know, Jack Eichel is just a born leader, and all he wants to do is win. And he was used to winning in college, obviously. And then, you know, it was a tough transition uh, going to Buffalo, where all basically they did was lose. And he felt, you know, he felt like he could not do anything. He could not prevent it. He was doing everything he could. And then, of course, the neck injury. And what's wrong with a player taking matters into his own hands? It's his life. It's his career. I had no problem with that. Uh, and you know what? I've always, I've always said this to people when people want to say, oh, I heard about this player, Linda, and, you know, this, this, and that. And I go, listen, yeah, I'm lucky enough to be in the business where I have an opportunity to meet particular athletes or players yes i get it but that's how i judge them um so you cannot automatically paint uh with the same brush when some media people say oh this guy you're going to be in trouble with this guy you know let me make my let let me let me make that decision okay but thanks thanks for letting me know (laughs) we always appreciate hearing your opinions on everything uh definitely check out in the crease all the time it's such great highlights uh, such good coverage of the nhl sports center of course but I think the most important thing, you're a TikToker? Oh, I'm on it now, but barely. I'm, I'm working <laughs> on a new project. I'm trying to figure this out with my son. We love the NFL. We bond over the NFL. Be like a mother-son NFL podcast. So I decided to go on TikTok just to, like, you know, put some clips up and test it out. But, you know, uh, you know, coming to uh, your TikTok uh, near you, perhaps. But now everyone's on TikTok, for goodness sake. My, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> 
And by the way, I may I say, may I go on record of being shocked about, I really thought the Raiders were going to be better. Uh, yeah. I'm a big Josh McDaniels fan. I don't know what the heck's going on there. Uh, I'm stunned. I think, you know, it's one of the biggest shockers, and I know you guys live it. Uh, yeah. daily but uh <laughs> you know we'll see what happens uh, next week but they're running out of time they certainly are and uh so are we but we really really appreciate the time thank you so much as always we love every time you're on the show follower everywhere check out in the crease espn plus sports center everywhere linda Cohn. we'll talk to you again soon when we come back live from twin peaks monday night getting ready for monday night football